You are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast special episode number eight. Today we are talking about the most controversial thing about VBAC, which is uterine rupture. Guys, there are so many misunderstandings surrounding uterine rupture, but today we are going to straighten it all out. We're going to lay it out for you. We are going to show you the facts. We are going to teach you how to overcome your fears, and we are going to give you a little bit of perspective on uterine rupture. And after our intro, our very own Megan Heaton is going to be sharing her experience with overcoming her fears about rupture. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Hello, hello, everyone. So this episode is one that may be sensitive to a lot of people. Like Julie said, this is, you know, uterine rupture is one of the biggest talks and fears, I think, when it comes to having a VBAC. And One of the reasons why I am assuming Julie asked me to talk a little bit about this is because during my second C-section, when I was laying on the table, one of the things that my doctor said that ended up sticking with me and becoming a fear that I had to let go of was that he was so glad I didn't be back because I for sure would have ruptured. And he said that my my uterine would like lining or whatever was so thin he could see right through it and so when I after that cesarean when I decided I definitely wanted to have a VBAC after those two cesareans that was something that was really hard for me to let go of because when you are laying there very vulnerable on a table and you hear a doctor say he's so glad you didn't VBAC because you for sure would have ruptured for sure, is the word he used, that planted a seed in my head. Because if I for sure would have ruptured after one, then, I mean, in my head, I'm like, okay, then am I for sure going to rupture after two? And so what I did is have to really kind of dive into the facts. And that's kind of how I started overcoming my fear of rupture. So Right off the bat, I started, you know, researching and realizing, okay, uterine rupture is quite, quite low, you know, really less than 1%, maybe a little higher, you know, after my two cesareans, but not much higher. And so right there, that fact and that statistic just stood out to me. And I was like, okay, that alone is helping me feel better about V-backing. And then, you know, another thing that I feel like helped me so much, I was telling Julie before we started recording that it was my team. My team truly helped me and they reminded me um, of those facts that I knew because you guys, I'm just going to be frank with you and be straight honest. People can be nasty. People can be, yeah, they can be really nasty and brutal. And I don't necessarily think people always are saying these things because they want to scare you. 
I think it's because they're scared and they don't know the facts. And so, you know, I had I had people tell me like, well, you are so crazy. I can't believe you're going to do that. And how would you feel if your baby died and you lived? And um, I had one person ask me, well, will your husband even forgive you if something happens to you oh or gosh. the baby? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So, wow. I, I mean, I had some people telling me some some really nasty things. And so it was so nice to come back to my birth circle and really have those people say, here are the facts. Remember the facts that you know. And, and of course, going off your intuition, which I know we talk so much about, and my intuition was telling me I could do this. I could do it. So I am so glad that I did. It was a beautiful experience. And I, I'll tell you what, though, I mean, I'm sure maybe, Julie, you've had that too, like just maybe not on rupture, but like making the choice of going to home and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But there are still days where you still question yourself, like, am I making the right decision for me? Is this the right decision for my baby? Is this the right decision for my family? Even though I knew those facts, it it was still a constant battle for me. So I would say one of the biggest things on top of finding all the facts for me was my personal pondering and kind of discussion with myself in my own head. I actually have some videos on my phone, and I'm so frustrated because my – I don't know what happened to my phone. It's not my current one, but the video didn't have sound. Like, it would only play sound sometimes. Aww. And so I have a lot of videos of me speaking to myself, and a lot of video about a lot of sound doesn't work. So I'm really bummed. But mm. um, that is something that I did personally is I recorded when I was having fears or doubts or if I had someone talking nasty to me or if I was being berated on Facebook because that happened. Um, oh, I remember that. Yes. people were nasty. They were nasty to oh, me. Man. It was nasty. And um, I mean, I was truly being cyberbullied. So let me, that's another tip to all of your mamas, you know, find a good VBAC group or a good group that is safe. Uh, we also have the VBAC community, VBAC link community on Facebook. It's a group um, where it is safe and it's got a lot of support, um, supportive people. So find someone that's truly supportive because I was on a VBAC group and I was berated and it, and it, it tore me down. But now I'm kind of going off track. <laughs> but anyway, I recorded myself during that time and said, hey, like you're having this fear, let's process this fear and then deal with it. So that really helped me. So that was one of the things I did to help really process my fears and go back and look at it and be like, okay, yeah. Like I recognized my fear and then I let it go. Um, I also had a blessing way that was really fun um, because those women in my blessing way, my, in my birth circle really built me up. So, of course, getting a, getting a supportive team. But Julia and I also want to talk to you guys a lot today about, like she said, kind of breaking it down and putting uterine rupture into perspective. This is something that we talk. We have a, a pretty nice beefy section in our manual for our VBAC class that we do offer in person and online for those who are wondering how to take that. We talk a lot about this and really try to put it in perspective and hopefully will help a lot of women kind of process their fears as well. Absolutely. I'm really glad that we're doing this episode because it's something that we that we get asked about a lot and we constantly get messages on Instagram and Facebook and from yes. our clients and from our family and from from everybody that that really just there's so much misinformation there. And so, if you don't already know, I Julie Frankham 
am a data junkie. <laughs> I love statistics. I love data. I love charts. I love I love all of it. And so naturally, I dug really deeply into this to find out what the truth is about uterine rupture. So the thing about uterine rupture is there are so many different studies and reports and data and information out there about uterine rupture. And you really have to dig deep into the study to find out what the truth is about the results, because I'll tell mm-hmm. you why. Because there's three different classifications about a, a uterine, uterine sure. scar. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're called uterine window, uterine dehiscence, and uterine rupture. rupture. The uterine window is when your scar gets so thin that you can see through it. But like it's a window. Like a window. But it hasn't separated at all. And then uterine dehiscence is when the scar starts to separate. So if you can imagine uterus, I'm holding up my three fingers together right now like I do, but obviously you can't see that. You put your three three fingers together. Those are your three layers of the uterus. And so if one or two of those layers start to separate and open, that's called a dehiscence. But all three layers haven't separated completely. So uterine rupture is when all three layers separate. Now, the only way to really know if you had a uterine dehiscence or a uterine uterine window window. would be to do a C-section. So we really have no idea how many women have successful VBACs and had a uterine window or uterine dehiscence. And the thing about uterine windows is it's not a clear indicator of whether a uterus would have ruptured or not. Because as you grow in pregnancy, your uterus gets thinner and thinner. It's just what it does. It's what uteruses do. And so we really have no idea to know how thin non-surgical birth women, how thin their uterus gets. So with that being said, when you look at a study talking about uterine rupture, it's really important to look and see what they classified as uterine rupture. And if they counted uterine window and uterine dehiscence in that, then that could skew the results. Definitely. So as per usual, I did some digging. And one of the most reputable studies that we found was from... And we're going to have a blog about this up on the website, thevbacklink.com slash blog. So you can go and find all my references there if you like. But there's a, a study from Motomura in 2017, and the uterine rupture rate happens 0.4% of the time. 0.4% of the time. That's like one in 240 births will have uterine rupture. I'm sorry, one in 240 tolax, which means trial of labor after cesarean, will have a uterine rupture. But the interesting thing about uterine rupture is that most of the time, the baby can safely be birthed through C-section and mom and baby are fine. No lasting health implications. Because mm-hmm. usually, you know, there's a, you have a little bit of time for the baby to get out once the uterus ruptures. And a lot of times it ruptures kind of slowly. There's a lot of stories or a lot of experiences we've had as doulas. And we just hear through the grapevine and uterine rupture stories about how there was there was a big indication of the uterine rupture starting to happen 
before baby came out, I Megan had a birth that was two hours from yeah. the time they noticed uterine rupture well, signs. Yeah, I mean, she it was two hours from the first sign of yeah. pain. Yeah, but she actually was showing signs technically earlier before that. It was just wasn't the you know the pain in her yeah in her stomach. So yeah, so only six percent of uterine ruptures are complete, which is the whole scar separates or catastrophic. So that means um, catastrophic loss of infant life. Um, maternal life mm-hmm. is so incredibly rare, rare to be lost yeah. during yeah. uterine rupture. Like it's not even a statistic. And trust me, I looked <laughs> very long and hard for a statistic. But <clears throat> catastrophic really is just some yeah, serious infant loss or like the uterus has to be removed. removed hysterectomy. Yeah. yeah that type of like thing. That. Mm-hmm. So that's 6% of the time uterine ruptures are complete or catastrophic. So the interesting thing is that we put so much worry and focus and emphasis on this scary thing that is uterine rupture when your chances of having a catastrophic event due to uterine rupture are actually 1 in 769. So if you try for a VBAC, you have a 1 in 769 Percent chance, chance, not percent, or it's no, yes, yeah, yeah, chance. one in 769 tolax and catastrophic. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. so that might sound a little scary. And the thing about statistics or studies or any kind of evidence is that it doesn't tell you how one particular individual is going to react or respond, and so. Each person's circumstances are going to be very different and within this range. But this is compiled of a very credible study. Like I said, it's linked in our blog. So one in 769. Just to give you some perspective, okay, the neonatal mortality rate in the United States for 2017, which basically means the amount of infants' lives lost Lost. Mm -hmm. in 2017 in the United States was one in 172, one in 172 chance of infant death in any birth in the United States, one in 769 chance of infant death due to TOLAC or VBAC. So what that means is it is five times more likely that you will suffer any kind of catastrophic injury or infant death due to anything else besides trying for a VBAC, V-back. right? Like we, why are we, I know I just want to like pause for a minute and kind of let that sink in. Why are we putting so much focus on the dangers of VBAC when we have much more severe problems on our hands with the infant rate, the infant loss rate in the United States? Um, we're actually the highest in the developed world and I will, will not go on a tangent on that right now because we don't have enough time. <laughs> we could talk all night. Just for some more perspective and because I love statistics, I want to throw some more statistics out there for you. So remember, one in 769 chance of infant loss due to rupture, one in 240 chance of rupture at all. So here's some things that are more likely to happen to you than a uterine rupture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You have a 1 in 160 chance of having a heart attack each year. 
you have a one in 216 chance that the person you are dating is a millionaire. Let's say that again. You are more likely to be dating a millionaire than to have a uterine rupture. How about that? One in four is the chances of your death being due to heart disease. And then one in every 18 years is how often you're going to be in a car accident. One in 30 is your odds of conceiving twins. Any twin mamas out there? How about that? And one in 160 is your odds of being audited by the IRS. And then another one that is pretty shocking is one in 100 odds of dying from an obesity-related condition. You guys, all of these things, do we do we worry about that? Do, are we as scared about it as we are about uterine rupture? No, we're not. I mean, yeah, you have like activist groups and things like that. And people overall are like trying to um, improve our heart health and lower the obesity epidemic and all of those things. But there's not nearly as much emphasis or fear put into anything that we just talked about. I mean, people text and drive every day. Yeah. People, I mean, people are... (laughs) <laughs> wanting accidents almost it's yeah it's crazy so i don't know it's mind-blowing it is there and uterine rupture happens it mm-hmm. does happen and you know we can't say it doesn't because it does and like she said can it be catastrophic yeah is it very likely no it's not so it's just so hard and like i like she said like it there's so much emphasis on uterine rupture in general and So we hope that this is helping you put a little bit more perspective into really what your chances are. And one of the studies um, that we talk about, too, that I I really like is um, there was a Canadian study done over a 10-year period of time. And in those 10 years, there were 114,933 deliveries. So that's a lot of deliveries in 10 years. With 39 cases of uterine rupture. So out of 100,014, with 100,014, 933, so almost 115,000, there were 39 cases of full, or no, of uterine rupture. Sorry, I take that back. Of u- full, um, full rupture was 18. That was complete. Out of 115,000. Out of, out of 115,000, pretty much, you know, 39 cases. So 18 of those were complete and 20 of those were incomplete or like a dehiscence. And uterine dehiscence did not have any fetal um, deaths at all. So, again, you guys, this, it happens. Do you want to know a statistic But it's that? not happening that often. Yes. The statistic, okay, is point zero zero zero. Zero three percent. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is four zeros and then a three. Wow, crazy for, for rupture, complete rupture. Yeah, holy cow, that's crazy. So you guys, it really does happen, but it doesn't happen that often. And so we just hope that this episode helps you be able to process that and kind of get rid of that fear. Yeah, and before we leave, yeah. I wanted to share a few things that you can do to help decrease your chance of uterine rupture happening at all. And actually, these things also increase your chances of having a successful VBAC. Yeah. 
So the first thing, um, stay away from induction unless it's absolutely medically necessary. The opinions of induction are many, and we are going to be talking about those in a future episode. Um, and so with watch that being that. said, though, too, VBACs can be mm-hmm. induced. So they, if yes. you do need to medically be induced, take it gently. Yes, nice and gently. Avoid augmentation of labor, which is like something used to speed labor up. Usually it's Pitocin. That just overworks your uterus, which causes it to either become fatigued or work too hard so it separates. Um, avoid excessive Pitocin and upping the dose too fast. Guys, if your provider wants to start your Pitocin on a four and increase it by four every 30 minutes, that is way, way aggressive. And it it's more likely that your uterus is going to be way overworked and get tired way too fast. Avoid Cytotex. Misoprostol is the generic version of that completely. That will quintuple your risk of rupture because, um, like I said, it overworks the uterus. It doesn't relax. It doesn't stop. It's like you are trying to bench press 200 pounds and keep going and your body's keeping trying to do it. And, and some outside force is making you and then your arms just fall off. I mean, that's kind of like a like what Cytotec does, right? Cytotec I mean, is harsh. It's, it's a very scary. harsh, harsh thing. Yes. Yeah, it's a big deal. So stay away from it. And in fact, if your provider um, is recommending it, he like the the actual protocol right now, if providers recommend that, is that their license gets revoked. So that is really a big deal. Avoid providers who want to aggressively intervene with and manage your labor. So if you have a provider that's pretty insistent on everything, every kind of intervention, wants you to go into labor before 40 weeks, wants to start Pitocin if your contractions aren't steady enough or if you're not dilating fast enough or wants to do an internal monitor or wants to do a, a internal fetal monitor or, I mean, all these things. Even, you know, says, says something like, oh, you have to have a baby in this amount of hours, yeah. you know, putting putting timelines on it. Right. Um, stay mobile, walk, change positions, change your posture when you're in active labor because those things are also going to help the baby descend and, and get out faster and make it easier for your body to physiologically deliver, which makes it less likely that your body's going to have to work harder, which leads to uterine rupture. Mm-hmm. Um, in early labor or if labor stalls, rest or sleep. Oh my gosh, guys, it's so counterintuitive. You're excited. Labor's starting. Your baby's going to be here soon. But the best thing you can do is, is to sleep. Yep, absolutely. Because that gets your natural oxytocin levels going, which it, which gets that baby here. Plus, if you're in for long labor, you're going to want the rest. Trust us on that one. Do everything that you can to make sure your baby is in the most optimal position before labor begins. There's a lot of good info on on the Spinning Babies website, spinningbabies.com, to help you make sure baby gets and stays in a great position. Uh, I'm going to link to that in our blog. Um, If baby's not in a great position and labor stalls or you have back labor, try spinning babies, try the mile circuit, do um, abdominal lifting, sideline, or get on your hands and knees to try and help that baby settle into a better position. And guess what? Your doula, because we all know you're going to have a doula, will help you do all of those things. Doulas know how to flip babies and turn them around right into the best position. Definitely. Um, Avoid breaking your water artificially, especially if your baby is not in a good position. Avoid an epidural if possible. Guys, we're not saying that you have to have an unmedicated delivery to have a VBAC, but going as long as possible allows you to do all of the things that we just said. 
which is going to decrease your chances. And, and not only that, but being on your back is a harder way to labor and get your baby down and engaged. Have attentive labor support with you all the time. So like I said, a doula, um, if you're at the hospital, nurses and doctors are in and out and come and go. I'm having someone that is aware of what's going on and aware of the signs of rupture will help recognize if something is is kind of wonky uh, and help you get it figured out. And then be aware of typical labor patterns. Guys, we talk about this in our class. Doulas know this. If your doula is not familiar with VBAC, have her take our VBAC doula certification course. If you're looking for a VBAC doula, go to our website, thevbaclink.com slash find a doula. We have doulas listed there that have taken our training. Um, it's really important to be aware of what's normal because any stalls in labor are typically indicative that something needs to change. Mm -hmm. So emotional processing, baby's position, sleep, even Pitocin food. in some instances, food, exactly. Figure out what needs to change and fix it if you can. A long labor stall combined with high dose of Pitocin is a really big <laughs> prime scenario for a uterine rupture. Honor your intuition Oh my gosh, I know we talk about it so much. And if you are just tuning into the podcast, we're going to talk about it some more and we are never going to get tired of talking about it. One of the earliest signs of uterine rupture is the mother feeling like something's off. Guys, you are connected to your baby in ways that science and biology can't even understand right now. Emotionally and physically and mentally, you are connected to your baby and your body. And regardless of what anyone else says, if you can tune into that and listen to your heart, it will never lead you wrong. And if that leads you to a repeat C-section, it leads you to stop right away. It leads you to avoid Pitocin or start Pitocin or or any other interventions. Um, sometimes, sometimes those things are necessary and needed. And sometimes that's what your heart tells you you need to do. And, and that's okay. Uh, so above all, listen to that. Listen to your intuition. And as always, we go over these things and so many more about VBAC. In our VBAC class, you can find more information at thevbaclink.com slash VBAC dash class. And guess what, guys? We have a brand new freebie for you on our website right now. You can go to thevbaclink.com slash shop. And we have a downloadable printable worksheet that shows you the top five myths about VBAC and what the truth is about them. And guess what? We have science and we have evidence and we have <laughs> studies listed for you to go dig further into just to be sure that we know what we're talking about because we hope you know by now that we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you, Julie. I loved all that information. And guys, we really do. We we understand the stress and the fear and, and the worry and all the stuff that happens in the outside world and social media. You know, there's so many things that come in and, and bring us these fears. So we understand that they're real. We've been through it. We've we understand. We've been there. So we want you to know that we are here for you. And Absolutely. whether you're just listening to the podcast or maybe you're a follower on Instagram or maybe you've joined the VBAC link community on Facebook, whatever it may be, or maybe you're taking our class, we want to be there for you and help you. And we want you to know that we 
we truly do appreciate you. And we are seriously just so excited for all of you guys taking your journeys and excited to be on this journey with you. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.